Check, baby. Check, baby. One, two, three. So what you've actually heard is season, what I called season one. Okay. Because in one day where I had some time, I just recorded 20-minute hits of people. I just grabbed from desk, brought them over. The people who then who had heard episodes, I started saying, that's season two. Because they have an advantage. Yeah. And they knew what they were coming into. Yeah. And you're one of those. So you okay. know what you're coming into because every other person. So if you listen to the eight that are posted currently as of today, yeah. they had no idea what they're walking into. Okay. No clue. That's cool. So they were not prepared. I'm they were at, totally I'm thrown off guard. But good. I know you have in your mind prepared. No. You talked about this. You had a unique idea of what creativity is. Well, yeah. And so that's what we were but here to talk about. I had a feeling that you're going to flip it on me anyway, to be honest with you. We'll just, see. Just because you, I know that you're sort of a in-the-moment guy and you're going to take turns and curves. And, yeah, and none of it's prepared. I never had a list of questions. Yeah. It's just conversations. So, so it's all good. I'm, 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 I'm in the moment. Yeah. So I don't even remember which episode this actually is, but Dave Salinas, CEO of District New Haven, former CEO of Digital Surgeons. How you doing? I'm sure you have like more credits. What else is there? The, uh, the founder of the, the district field of innovation dreams. And, yeah, that's the newest one. Uh, founder of the District Innovation and Venture Center, which is the nonprofit that we started back in December to house the Holberton School and U of Next and, and other types of programming that we're going to be putting out there to help build talent and to support entrepreneurs. Yeah, and the, what else? The Holberton uh, School, I think, is just, we got to get more love out there for that. Yeah, there's been a ton of news so far in the first day, which has been really exciting. I'm hoping that a ton of people that hear about it share it because it's so important, like what's happening. And, and I just, I'm hoping that people really understand it. And it's not enough to like it. And I mean that in the, in the general sense of liking, because right. everybody likes the stuff that I post. And I'm hoping that they share it because we need it to ring bells wide and far it's a small state we should be able to get 100 percent, close to 100 percent awareness between you know our our networks and i'm hoping that that happens because it's absolutely critical that we start getting this talent in the pipeline or we're not going to be competitive if everybody wants us to grow and see positive news then they got to take the bull by the horns and and share the shit out of this and make sure people hear about it and make sure that people that are graduating high school hear about it and make sure people that are trying to figure out their way in life or hearing about it or people that have aged out of jobs or what have you because we need the students and this because we need the talent right. like it's just that simple and it's interesting that the problem you have is due to you've launched now so many exciting things this is one other exciting thing that people are probably just like yeah well i'm used to exciting things coming from dave's world <laughs> you know yeah because how many months ago it, you know Eight, nine months ago, we were celebrating the opening of this campus. Yeah. We're putting out more content with studio around here on this campus with you know, video, podcasts, photography. There's a restaurant that's about to open and you open up a school. It's in the midst of it all. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could have done it all at once, but, you know, there's a timing and a cadence to all this stuff. But it's the momentum. It's part of the vision. You know, it's part of just I think it's part of being an entrepreneur just mm -hmm. like constantly looking forward looking to change it looks like people are actually getting more excited because the momentum is is picking up and people constantly come up to me and they're like hey it's amazing watching just all the news that's coming out of district and that makes me happy like the fact that I'm making people happier about their state about their region about their city about where they work and live and play just keeps pushing me to keep do wanting to do more like I've got I got some more stuff up my sleeve. I'm holding back now because I've been fortunate enough to write the checks and cash them <laughs> lately. Yeah. Or at least for the most part, like we still have a lot of work to do with the school and district still has a lot of work to do and, and drive still has a lot to work to do. But um, the next one's going to be, you know, again, just 
one after the other is just going to keep being monumental. It's going to be, it's going to keep making news and make people go, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. You When's uh, Neo stopping by? Neo? No, he's not stopping by. He was in China. We couldn't get him down, so he just did the video, <laughs> which is on the uh, website if people go to the holburtonschool.com uh, forward slash. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly forward slash New Haven, but they can find it in the campuses. And then the video from, I think the video from Neo is online. If it's not, it will be soon. Yeah. We're just waiting for I'll permission put the link from his the, management. Uh, I'll put the link in the episode description. Cool. Yeah. So the purpose of this podcast uh, is creativity. Yep. And it all actually started months ago from a conversation amongst the creative team around what actually creativity is. Mm-hmm. And different people have different points of view. And so that started the conversation. Yeah. And so that's why I've just I've grabbed count people. I've grabbed strategists, copywriters, designers, all different sorts of people mm-hmm. talking about creativity. What is it in their world and mm-hmm. how do they view it? Yep. So I know you have a lot of, not only do you have a lot of thoughts, but you have a unique perspective as all these people do. Because you come from the entrepreneurial side, you are building you are building brands and businesses and communities all around me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm in your building. At the same time, I've worked with you and I've seen just wild creativity. The things that flash in my mind were legally not allowed to talk about because they involve <laughs> singers who. No, I mean, I mean, listen. For me, when I started, when I was listening to your podcast, it brought me back to the very beginning of starting Digital Surgeons and this notion that. I was a business development guy. I was a sales guy. I was a a marketer, a strategist, and not a quote unquote creative. And it drove me friggin' nuts. I can't believe I didn't curse there. I usually curse. You can Um, curse. uh, It drove me nuts because to me, just because I can't use Photoshop or Illustrator or I'm not as articulate when I write like you are, for example, or, or can sit down and just belt out like sentence after sentence. I always thought of myself as creative. When I was young, I was creative in terms of like art and stuff like that. But for me, I can look at something and I can tell that it's off. I can look at something and tell when it's on. I have an eye for for design. Does that make me creative or not? You know, I can listen to a sentence and be like, that doesn't flow right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't pick up on grammar and stuff like that. I'm fucking awful at that shit. But um, but I can tell the flow. I can look at a deck and I can craft a deck and move. I, like I'm often moving slides around and saying to people, this is how the flow of this presentation should go or this pitch or this whatever. That to me is creativity. So listening to the podcast, I actually thought about creativity a little a bit. And I thought to myself, creativity is a, is a way of living. It's a mindset, right? Like I'm an independent thinker. That makes me creative, right? I often challenge everything. This whole entire process to get to district, to make it happen was creative, right? It was everybody from like venture guys to hardcore real estate investors to business people, government, and everyone in between. When they hear the story of district to where we are today, they're all like, holy shit. And along the way, the people that have heard the story have never thought we'd get it done, have never thought we'd succeed because we were doing things in a a nonlinear fashion, in a creative way. Right. So does that make me creative? Yeah, I think the trade I think that comes through there is it's not a a studied or a practiced creative in that sense. Yeah. Um, You know, like I am a creative because my college degree put me on that path and all my jobs have, have had creative in the title. Yeah. But you have a trait that all most creatives, a lot of creatives, at least the creativity that the way I see creativity, yeah. it's, it's rebellion. You have a sense of rebellion in you. And 
that comes through in that's the way you might see it and that's the way you might do it. I'm going to do it a different way. I see a better way. I know I can create a better way. And that's this building and that's all the things you've done in business. You approach business in a creative way and that's it's the act of rebellion and going, I'm going to break the norm yeah. and I'm going to do it my way. I don't know. So I get where you're going with that. I don't necessarily know if that's how I would describe it. I have a theory. I never had a theory until recently because I used to always tell people, and you've probably heard me saying, you got to have positive energy. You got to say what you want. You got to do all these things. And I realized one day that people just thought I was crazy or like, oh, David's just a wishful thinker. Like if I just wish for to win the lottery, I'm going to fucking win a uh, $100 million Powerball. So I tried to think really hard about what I meant by that. Right. So mm-hmm. when I think about doing things differently, when I think about finding other ways, it's because I'm so intentional with my desires, with my with the things that I want, that I'm able to clear the field of a lot of information. Right. So I believe that every day we have billions of bits of energy and those energy could be everything from like my foot's itching me. I'm going to scratch it. Ooh, that scratch felt really good. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. To a, a business idea or a thought. So those things lead to those ideas, right? So the energy leads to these thoughts and then you can connect those dots. Well, when you're intentional with your thinking and you clear the field of a lot of the energy, now you're focused in, now, now you're almost a horse with blinders on and it makes it a lot easier to see things that can connect. And you can see them from far away and then you can grab those connections and make those do- make those dots connect where people that are maybe distracted or not intentional or don't know what they're looking for can't easily connect dots or see the dots that I can connect. So it's not necessarily a rebellion thing. It's more a matter of anyone could have got to my solution if they played at the level that I play. like, And what I mean by that is not in the douchey sense. I mean, I mean it in like, I'm always in a helicopter, but I'm looking through a telescope. Does that make sense? But then, so, ha- so, so how I'm 30,000 feet high, so I'm looking at specific areas and connecting dots. Right. Rather than looking at the, when you're in a helicopter, it's just a massive landscape, right? Where I, I'm actually looking... Th- in that helicopter at specific segments because I'm intentional. Those segments are intentional thinking. And then I'm able to say, oh, look at these two things. They connect. And everybody goes, no, they don't, Dave. And I go, I'm pretty sure they do. And I fail. But a lot of the times I'm able to be creative enough or have enough tenacity to fight through those failures to make shit happen. To me, that's creativity. So uh, you can look at it as rebellion, I I guess. Well, I think another word is, I think it was Aaron LeMay friend of the uh, company. Yeah. I, we almost did a podcast episode together when he was last year, but oh, you didn't get him? video game creator, um, Saintro. What else? He's still Halo. Halo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's the man. We talked about a similar subject and it was narrowed down to one word. And one word that came to mind for me was confidence. It's it's just con- what is creativity? It's just confidence. It's confidence to create the, to connect those dots. That's a great way to it's say it. It's confidence yeah. to say no. You know what? This copy is the copy. Yeah. This is the thing that's going to work. And a lot of people can do it, but if they don't have the confidence, then someone's going to get in their way and they'll never get by them. And then confidence in, ter- in terms of who you're talking to. Like it's easy to be confident, mm-hmm. you know, in a room with a, an associate, a friend or whatever. But to go in front of someone from an Ivy League school, from the government, from, right. you know, in the investment world that's done this a hundred times over and tell them that you're going to do it differently – or that you've got an idea that they haven't thought of, or that right. you think you could do something better, that's even more confidence. It's even a different style of confidence. Yeah. And I think that's what's helped at least us succeed. 
you know, I always believe we're going to win. Yeah. I've seen where your confidence comes through and then we go, okay, everyone jump on board. <laughs> In my mind, I go back to that thing we're not allowed to talk about for lawsuit sake. But uh, I remember you pulled me into the, the conference room. You're like, I got this idea. And you had like started mapping it out. And we got two weeks. And we were like, okay. Yeah. This yeah. is what we're doing now. And we got it done. Yeah. And it was... It was a great event. Yeah. No, everything went really well. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunate <laughs> circumstances make us not able to talk about that. But yeah. And I mean, think about that. It was monumental, right? We can mm-hmm. talk about details. Super Bowl, celebrity, drones, drones. <laughs> flying shit. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. And then unfortunately, because of circumstances out of our out of our hands, you know, we can't we lived, but we can't tell about it. Right. right? We got gags. But think about that. Do you remember that? What do we have? Was it 12 days? Something like that. Yeah. It was like 12 days to pull off this massive stunt and yeah. we got it done. And it was just like super quick. Just bang, bang, bang. That's the other thing is for me, a lot of my creativity happens very fast. And maybe that's just because I've been I've been around so much and mm-hmm. I've had such a eclectic life. Maybe it's because I have my eyes open to a lot of stuff, maybe because I learn a lot of stuff, but that makes me creative and it makes me faster than usual when it comes to creativity. Now, at the same time, as I've matured, I've learned that the deeper I go, the more research and rabbit holes. I love the research part. I mean, as a strategist for digital surgeons, I mean, I was like, the king of strategy. I loved to dive. I used to always say, for me, it reminded me of when I was a kid. Like my mom used to take change and throw it in the pool in the deep end. And she'd be like, yeah, who can, who can get the most amount of money? And it's like, you find a, you find a quarter, you find a nickel, you find a dime and you've come to the top, you take your breath, you know, put it on the side in your pile. To me, research and that kind of stuff allowed allows me to be even more creative, to connect even more dots. And it all comes together in one big package. So now you have a perspective on it, which I agree with in a lot of ways. One of the things I've talked about with a lot of people is how do you how do you give that to someone else? Mm-hmm. You know, when we do workshops, we, we try to open up creativity. We try to teach creativity. Mm-hmm. And I generally have had a point of view. And maybe it's that point of view that you kind of combat a little is, you know, it's like, well, this is what I do. And this is what I do. And this isn't what everyone can do. And I can't take you, I can't spend our time taking you from one to two Mm -hmm. when I got to do the actual creative work. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and so I've had a very, in a way, conceited view of it. We're going not saying not everyone can be Mm -hmm. creative at this level, Mm -hmm. what we're doing day in and day out. So do you believe you can teach people to be creative? Not everybody. So I think everybody is creative. I don't think you can be creative at the highest level just because we're wired differently. Like there are people that the the book Rocket Fuel that I recently listened to, because I I don't read books I I do audibles. They talk about the visionary and the integrator being like the like the combo to take you to the next level in business and and to to just have like outstanding growth. The integrators, in many cases, may not have that visionary instinct. Like it's difficult to find the visionaries. They talk about the number of people that ha- that according to their studies that are out there. And then they talk about the visionaries and the number of people there. And even though that number is larger, because it's like, I think they say like 20% of the world are visionaries or something like that. They actually talk about, but a small percentage of those are the ones that actually are successful because you can't just be a visionary. You can't just have ideas. You can't just be creative. Right. And I think that the lessons learned from being to being creative, being a visionary and that kind of stuff, when you're able to do and fail and work and succeed, I think make the difference. I also think that not everybody thinks the same, right? There's like for me, 
I'm a free thinker, completely independent. There's no straight line. We talked about the box already. Mm -hmm. There are people that absolutely need affirmation and need data and cannot be creative and cannot walk away from that line. And those are the people that are have more that have more difficulties with creativity. However, they have a huge impact on projects, on life, on business mm -hmm. because of what they bring to the table from their end. So I I would say that everyone can have creative brilliance, but I think not everyone can do it all the time. Not everyone can right. be on all the time. They need that workshop. They need that that space, that guidance, that nurturing to think and to be creative where there are certain people where their brains just work very differently. I don't know what it is, but it is. The, I truly believe. I used to think that it was like teachable, but I think the most you can do is lead. Right, you can lead. You know, right. you can lead someone to the water, but they might not be able to to see through the to the next piece. And even that style of you know the more analytical you know types, you can see that dichotomy inside of creative minds themselves. Mm -hmm. So even look here, yeah. look, look at the designers, and you you can see a line between the the wild connecting dot creatives versus the analytical yeah. step by step creatives. Yeah, yeah. You know, I say that we did a, a I don't know if they're called personality tests. It's a test called High Five Test. H i g h the number five t e s t dot com. And we did these tests. It's sort of like uh, I forget the other name of the test, but people I'm sure people will figure it out. Like a disc test. Like a, no, not I don't know if it's necessarily like a disc test. There's another company I I have the app on my phone somewhere. Like a strengths test. Uh, hold on, I got it right here on my phone clifton strengths test which is a famous one but high five is similar to it i think it's a little bit different and, and it's pretty cool my strengths came up as strategy self-believer like right out of the gate right like the confidence and the living in a helicopter like came up all the way to the top where some of my some of the people that did it with me on my team came up as analysts up high and my immediate reaction was like i love you <laughs> Because I need that data. It's an input. But the difference is, I actually said this to them. I said, the only difference between us is that you see me planting a tree and I'm looking at myself like I'm planting a forest. It's just that little bit of change mm -hmm. uh, in thinking. But I still love the analyst. I still love the data because it makes you so much stronger because you can't just... People come up to me all the time and they're like, I got this idea. And it's like their brain had a creative idea and it got the juices flowing and they just like ran with it and like obsessed over it for an hour or a day or a week or a month or in some cases years. And then they bring it to you and in one creative search, you find that it's done already mm -hmm. or that there's a competitor, you know, whatever the case is. You know, I feel like that's the analyst part that figures out how do I not waste my time? with my creative idea, which is something that I've gotten very good at because I don't, time is, you can't obsess over things. You have to be able to get right. off the ideas. You have to be able to kill things really quickly, which is something that I don't know, I guess comes with, comes with time and maturity, right? Yeah. You get beat up enough on things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just happens. Yeah. I mean, and the, you know, the best critic of your ideas should be yourself. Like I, I get off stuff all the time. If I chased every idea that I have, forget about it. I would be flat broke i would be crazy i'd have i'd have manic depression like just because you have to be able to kill your own ideas you yeah. have to be able to set kill you 
you know, I don't want to call them babies because I wouldn't personify ideas, but like you have to be able to kill stuff and you have to be able to do it on your own. You can't wait for someone to crush your hopes. You have to get there. Right. Last night I was talking to a writer friend of mine. There was a, um, an article about editing your own stuff. Mm -hmm. They put so much weight on the self edit. Mm -hmm. I was like, come on, look at what we actually do. We, we write it. Well, the first time we edit a little bit, Mm -hmm. it's not so much this edit. Am I full of shit or is this guy full of shit? And, you know, my friend was nice and didn't say I was full of shit. But then I came in, the first thing I did this morning was took a script I wrote yesterday and I cut out an entire page of the script Mm -hmm. of a three page script. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I do. I do edit quite a quite a bit. I just that's not the story I tell myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. The story you tell yourself is create, create, create. And the thing that's going on behind the scenes is edit, kill, edit, kill, edit, kill. But that doesn't support my story of creation. My boy, who's a who's a, a sick creative director, once told me I had written something. And he said, without even looking at it, he said, read the first and last line of every paragraph. And he was like, and see if it makes sense. And I, and I did it. And I was like, all right. It makes sense. And he goes, now delete the rest. And he's, and that was his, his thing was writing. And I did it and I was like, holy shit. And, and it was perfect for me because I'm not a verbose guy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, get to the point. Like I was the guy that got like a, a school essay, you know, in high school it was like, you got like multiple choice in an essay or in right. college even. You write in a little blue book. Yeah. And then they would be like, you know, here at the essay part, it would be like, you know, what color is George Washington's white horse? And I would write white and I would get like the lowest grade possible. And I'd go up to the teacher and I'd say, what the fuck? Literally, because I was that kid. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And she'd be like, you didn't elaborate. I said, what the hell do I got to elaborate for? I gave you the answer. Yeah. Like, you didn't, it doesn't say to elaborate on your answer. You ask, what is the answer? And the answer is white. And I don't want to tell you why it was white, what breed of the horse it was, what year it was, and how they hadn't had brown horses or whatever the, whatever, you know, I'm making stuff up. Yeah. But like, I'm like super to the point. I just want to tell you the answer and not waste your time and not waste my time with fluff. So it always worked for me to just yeah. use that first last sentence thing. I'm generally the opposite. I say <laughs> why say something in one word when That's you can say it in ten. That's because you're a writer. Yeah. Unless you're a writer. You paint. You paint. Like I I look it's, – it's like the difference between like a classically trained artist, painter, mm-hmm. and like someone as simple as Banksy who's doing like black line work, right? Or, or just like really clean, easy design. One person is painting this elaborate picture showing depth and all this stuff. And the other person is just trying to get a, a point across, right? I like getting my point across in the quickest way possible. Like, I, right. like, like the way a rapper might use a quick little analogy. And sometimes I want my words to paint a faster, to, to make you have a, a mental image quickly that is your own. That might be different from mine versus you. You're like, you know, Picasso. You're doing just Michelangelo work. You know, just the detail, everything from like, do the eyes look worried? You know, how can you describe how worried those eyes are and that kind of stuff? Yeah. And it depends on the type of writing. Which I think is great too. If I'm writing a long form piece, like, yeah, every word is there for a reason. Every piece of punctuation is there for a reason. If I'm writing a headline, I'm going to give you a Banksy, you know, because I don't have time to give you Picasso. Yeah. I guess for me, the world, the world, most of the world is just reading headlines these days. Unfortunately, if they read that, I wish reading was more of a big thing for me. Unfortunately, it never was. It, it unfortunately never was. Like I just 
I'm, I was a math whiz my whole life, like faster than the, like I learned multiplication when I was like four years old, five years old. My father was like shocked. He was teaching my brother math and I was like calling out answers from the bedroom and he was like, come in here, six times six. And I was like, 36. And I just had speed with math and reading was never my, my thing. So, but thank God for audiobooks because yeah. I love, I crush audiobooks. That's something. I mean, it's, that's the other thing. Consuming is, of information. And that's the other thing is like, how do we teach creativity? Back to your back, you know, let's yeah. rewind back a little bit. Is like maybe it's diff- maybe the person that needs to learn creativity needs to learn it in a different way. And we just haven't mastered that style of mm-hmm. teaching creativity yet. Right. It can't be the way you want to teach her, the way I want to teach her in, in the in these different ways. Maybe it has to be completely different and we haven't thought of it yet. Maybe we should challenge ourselves on learning how to take to teach creativity. Yeah. See if we can get there. We are challenging ourselves currently. Yeah. We're looking at ways to because we, we notice. You look at the high performer, like, you know, high performers I've dealt with throughout the years in this industry. Look at a case like Jimmy. He was not trained to do this. He did not go to school to do this. He did not have a job in this before he came here. Mm -hmm. And we didn't teach him how to do it when he got here. But he's a beast. He just got it. Yeah. There's a a switch in his head that was on when he walked, when he applied. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, we have a job posting that's choose your own adventure that Jamie put out and it was because Mike Zim. Yeah. Because when you get a resume and they have just because they have experience doesn't matter. Just because they have portfolio doesn't matter. Just because they went to school for it doesn't matter. But yeah, you look at people like Mike Zim who for those of you classics. Hearing Mike Zim, there's an earlier podcast, I don't know what number it was, but same same topic and just listen to him and he'll blow your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you, you, it's funny because this whole Holberton school is about in, in one case is used as a college alternative. So you graduate high school, you get your GED, whatever, and you can go into Holberton and you, it's likely you're going to get a job because of the demand in the space. Mm-hmm. But it's also backed by the fact that companies are coming out now and not requiring a college degree. Apple, Google, Ernst & Young, major, major organizations. Right. And it's partly because they realize that they need the talent and they need to really increase the number of people that they're getting. But the other reason is because they f- they finally are figuring out that book smarts don't equate to work ethic, grit, tenacity, right. problem-solving skills. Right. Or a lot of professions, the things you're going to learn in school are not things you're going to be doing in the job. Thirty Less than 30% of people that learn that go to school for a major go into that occupation or whatever occupation is, you know, mm. occupations might be for that major. I'm a perfect case. Like I went to college, I got my degree, my bachelor's degree. But the truth of the matter is I wasn't a, I wasn't a student. Like yeah. I breezed through school. I breezed through high school. I breezed through college doing the absolute bare minimum that mm. I needed to get done just to get the paper that I, that I was told, you know, that we're all told that we need the, yeah. the high school degree, the college degree. And the truth of the matter is my desires the whole way. Like when I was 15 years old, maybe, yeah, when I was 15 years old, I begged my father to let me drop out of high school to get my GED. Not because I wanted to leave high school. It's because I, I told him, if you let me do that, I can go to college faster. Because mm-hmm. I thought that, that it was a race to get to the next to the next thing right. and I was like I don't need this high school stuff I can just go to college and I'll figure out the next piece and then when I was in college all I complained about is starting in the real world which is why I started businesses when I was 19 years old and you know I was always hustling and trying to make money because I for me school was like just this thing that I needed to complete to get yeah. this piece of paper the I, the concept of a GPA meant fucking nothing to me yeah. still means nothing to me yeah and yeah. mine had nothing to do with piece of paper it had to do with the social expectations like you went to high school, you graduated, you went yeah. to college, you graduated, you got a job. Yeah. And that was the path. Yeah. And so I actually started 
writing in college. Yeah. Like I got a job and I was still in school because that's just what you did. Yeah. I had to finish the degree. Was there any specific occupation that your parents made you like told you you had to take? When I started. When I started, I was a business major. Yeah. Because that's what that's how you got a job. Yeah. You know, that's how you got insurance. That's my how father you got said a, doctor, lawyer. Because he, my father was an immigrant. He, you know, a blue collar guy in the union, you know, a little bit of college, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit of community college. But for him, he was like, be a doctor, be a lawyer. And I was like, man, I don't want to do either one of those things. I was probably I, knew better than to tell me to go something that serious. Yeah. I went to, I actually started my first semester in biology. And I was just because I was like, the, the guy asked me, he's like, what do you want your major to be? I was like, I don't know. My father said, be a doctor or a lawyer. I was like, so I guess I'll go biology and follow in my brother's footsteps. And I literally took like a bunch of, and then he said, well, what what do you want your elective to be? I said, what the hell is an elective? And he said, you know, art, history. And I said, ah, oh, that stuff's bullshit because my father used to always discourage me, even though he did art and he painted and did oil painting and played the guitar and all this stuff. He always told me that the things that were artistic and creative in nature were a waste of time and I wouldn't make any money. Mm-hmm. Um, which in a lot of cases is true because people don't make it in those in, in those industries quite often. Like I wanted to be a comedian when I was when I was a teenager. And uh, so I was like, no, I don't want those electives. Give me something real. And I said, give me a business class. I took a marketing class, changed the game for me. I was like, oh, I love this. And then next semester I switched and went to business. Well, that's why I started business. Hated it. Hated every class. Yeah. Econ, all that stuff. So I just never went. No, I didn't go to a single class. Then through various circumstances, my parents saw the light and realized what I actually wanted to do and let me, allowed me to follow the path of writing. That's good. Yeah, my father had no say in it. I paid, for my, own, I paid my own way. I chose my own school. Nobody influenced it. It was accidental. I paid for college myself. I still pay because I was smart enough to refi <laughs> like right out of the gate in like early 2000s. Wait, so and what happened with the, uh, the comedy path? I never did it. I never did it. My father discouraged me and, you know, that's it. I think that's why I'm always like joking around with everybody. Like I always sort of like drop little one-liners and make people laugh and smile all the time because it's just something that I love to do. Have you ever written a set and done it? No, no, no. I've thought about it. I've thought about it, but I just thought I got too much going on. Maybe one day. So with all this stuff going on, new businesses, new ventures, stuff launching seemingly by the week. Where do you find your creative outlet? Um, I mean, in every business opportunity, I get to be creative in some way. Like for the whole Burton School, I basically was a pseudo creative director. I, I wrote the script for the most part. I think business in general, like I, I, I look at business in a very creative way. So I'm, I'm always creative. That's why I think I leave here and I'm sort of tired. It's when I'm not being creative. It's when I get like locked down in the integrator role and I'm like getting shit done and doing paperwork and like all that kind of stuff that I think I'm not able to be creative. But I also do like other interesting create what I think are creative things like um, all types of stuff like. I had a saltwater uh, reef tank for a while and like designing it and like understanding how they, how it becomes an ecosystem and testing the waters and balancing everything like was a, was a creative outlet for me in a lot of ways, you know, mixing colors because reefs could be very, very colorful. That was creative for me. Plants. I have a, like I have a, a thing with nature. People refer to it as biophilia these days, the, the human connection to the outdoors and to plant, to the, plant world i came up with this design for a plant and i bought a specific type of plant called a swiss cheese plant and and i bought these baby plants on amazon because i i saw one it was like in terrain in westport for like 400 
50 bucks for this plant. I was like, I'm not paying that much money. And I basically like designed my own and then like started these baby plants and little by little it's growing up the the piece of wood that I took from district and, and put it inside the pot to make it grow up. Like I find that creative every so often I'll sit down and write a rap song, which, you know, you've, you've heard some of my stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a huge passion for rap music just because I grew up in Queens in the eighties and nineties when hip hop was so prevalent in that area. I, I literally knew rappers like famous rappers growing up as a kid. And, uh, I owned a recording studio. That's how Pete and I actually met Pete Senna and I, my co-founder at digital surgeons. For those of you that don't know, I had a recording studio and I had an engineer that was working at the recording studio. My goal was not to be an artist, but to to market an artist. And like I wanted to be P. Diddy or like even a Russell Simmons, right? right. Never happened, unfortunately. It's difficult business, real difficult business. And um, and my engineer introduced Pete and I. So I love I have this just huge pa- I could sit in a studio for like six hours and yeah. watch other people create music and that's a creative outlet for me just to watch like someone on the keys and someone that really feels music and feels notes um, to someone rapping to someone singing and then myself you know like jogging you know sort of tussle they call it like tussling with a beat and like figuring out how words can mesh in and telling a story inside of music is something that I find to be an outlet I don't do it a lot if I'm lucky I do it once or twice a year and I tend to these days I tend to like write stuff and then I'll have someone in the studio maybe rap it out or do something like that uh, just to lay down like a piece of it because right. I'll think it's cool or I'll see something in a movie that in a movie and that'll like stir me stir me up and I'll be like oh that would be a sick chorus Adam and not, Adam Chambers did he do this yet no so Chambers loves music loves the guitar he's got his group and everything with um, Cam and Sound and he and I went in one day and there was a movie called the Legend about the Cray Twins have you ever seen that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. the famous Cray yep. twins. So in London, they were they were gangsters. And there's a scene where he walks into the into the bar because and he knows he's going to get into a fight. Him and his brother walk into the bar, and the guy has like uh, like a pipe in his hand. He's like, "What the fuck is that? Rolling pin?" He's like, "I thought I was coming for a gunfight. You know, like a western." And I thought that would be like, "I came here for a shootout, a fucking western." And I was like, "That would be a cool chorus." And then how you could sing it. So stuff like that, I do. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was always had a passion for drawing, like just pencil drawing. Uh, I hate coloring, just pencil drawing. Sometimes, uh, lately, probably in the last couple months, at least five times, I've just grabbed a, a white sheet of paper, picked an object in my house, and drawn it. Like I did my cabinets and three dimensional. When my daughter was like, "Wow, Dad, that's really good," and everybody that saw it on my table was like, "That's awesome. Who did that?" And I'm like, that, "I did that." And they're like, "You can draw," and it's just like picking a person, you know, picking a. a a viewpoint picking the light and then just sort of drawing it out yeah so like i'll do stuff like that so yeah. i guess i'm super eclectic with my creativity yeah. but i think there, there's a word you used a few times and i think if we if we were to, to build a a creative venn diagram a three circle venn diagram mm-hmm. we mentioned confidence i think there's innate re- rebelliousness in creative minds yeah uh, but i think the other word you use which is passion yeah or like an obsession so if you look at you know you look at my life I, I followed the path of the writer. So my obsession became reading, consuming all forms of, of language, of written word, of spoken word, of rhetoric, of over hundreds of years. Yeah. And you look at a designer and they're they're constantly searching for trends. They're 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 looking at color theory. They're looking at artists. They're you know following people on Instagram. They're studying Behance. They're all over the place. It's following that obsession. Mm-hmm. You know? 
because you have to have tools in place. Mm -hmm. You have to have a deep understanding of something to, to follow it creatively. And, and you mentioned many times of being all, kind of widespread or all over the place with things and being able to connect far off dots. It's because you move that obsession to different places. Yeah. You become obsessed with music. You become obsessed with plant life. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be something someday in the future where you're going to connect a rapper with a brand with some plant you know, or aquatic life, we're going to be building <laughs> a, yeah, a big fish tank for a, an artist that's tied to a brand or something. And it's because you, you, you have all these pieces versus someone like me, who's very deep in the writing world. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about rap music or aquatic stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, it, you're right. I mean, uh, some people refer to, I think Pete says polymaths, just having like a wide, you know, just wide array of things that you learn about. I'm definitely that. Like I, I'm always learning about stuff. I mean, You'd be surprised the things I could do. Like Pete always laughs about me being like the this when I was the CEO of D Digital Surgeons, knowing that I could get down and dirty and like do electrical work and plumbing work and and oh, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Like I learned that when I was a kid, and I find that a creative outlet. Yeah. Like, f like I'm like, oh, my garage has one outlet in it. That doesn't make any sense. Like I need more outlets. Right. And, and my wife's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna hire somebody? I was like, no, I'm gonna put the outlets in. And she was when I was done, she was like, holy shit. And I did like piping and just fitted everything out perfectly. To me, that's creativity. That's creative. It's fun. You know, it reminds me of like the video games back in the day when you had to like make a plumbing system and then run the water through it to see if yeah. it was you know, like, yeah. like that kind of stuff. That was uh, interesting. I remember that right when I started because, you know, I come from a place and the CEO is living in a giant mansion and, and then I come here and you were furniture. on your hands and knees. Yeah. Putting, you were fixing trim. Yeah. 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 yeah I do. I, I'm the first one to jump and get my hands dirty. I love that stuff. Yeah. Gardening, like vegetable gardening, like coming from New York city, growing in a, in a concrete jungle, coming to Connecticut was like a, a paradise for me. I was like, I can grow food. And then when I had my daughter, I was like, I can teach her to grow food. And then like the first year was like, 13 plants the next year was like the same space but 72 plants because i learned about the square foot gardening method and how i could use that and like I, you know just the evolution of your thinking and the evolution yeah. of what you can do and then i think it's because and that's the other thing so back to how do you get creative i think it's because all of those interests like you said being able to, to see things that connect that normal people wouldn't see mm -hmm. you know like at district at, you could say at the base, at the baseline, this is real estate. But to me, I look at it as economic development and job creation and community building and communities of communities. When I was studying co-working spaces and I learned about what made them successful, which is community and how to how to deploy that or like or ideas to deploy that, then I was like, wait, so what if we took community and put it over here and that became a fitness center? Because the communities that happen inside of fitness. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, now we got another place that's happened where, where this where these collisions are happening. And then what if we did that in a restaurant with a beer garden and a patio where beer gardens are like big, all about communities, like big picnic tables, fire pits, and you know, people playing bocce against each other and meeting each other and like all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, oh shit. I'm on, I think we're on to something here. What else could we do to make communities? Oh, we got a community room with digital surgeons and we can give that out to people and then other people are going to come in and then those are going to create community. You, know, you, know, you see what yeah. I'm saying there? So it's just like just learning one thing about one, one piece and then applying it in other areas. And I think interesting just to bring it back to digital surgeons for a second in terms of like the age old debate of whether or not an agency should be generalist or specialist. 
I always disagreed with the specialty. Because if you're only dealing with people that know pharma or construction or CPG mm. or healthcare or finance or insurance, then you're only getting that thinking. Right. And you're never going to break into new sectors. You're never going to have new models of communication, new models of business. You know, you need cross-functional thinking. Mm. Someone referred to it as an expert generalist one time. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> I was like, that's me. That's definitely me. Nice. So how do we do? We did good. I... Uh... Throughout all these, I've never figured out how to end them. So I always just, when I feel like we've had a good conversation, I always just tell people they can get back to work. There was an old hip hop song that said, peace out, premiere, take me out with the fader. There you go. That's the end. Thanks, Dave. Take it easy, man.